This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me. It's podcasts for the weird at heart. You're listening to Keep Screaming, a horror podcast from two best friends dissecting horror movies one by one. My name is Ryan Larson. And my name is B-Bass. Every two weeks, we will bring you a brand new episode where we dissect a slasher film from top to bottom. We will look at the movie as a whole, going over the story, the casting, music choices, go kill by kill, and then rank it on how it succeeds as a slasher film. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at ScreamingCast or by searching Keep Screaming. You can find me at B not B, that's B-E-E, not B-E-A, and Ryan at Ryan Larson. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Castbox, or online at podpeople.me or keepscreaming.com. This week we are dissecting 1975's Deep Red, directed by Dario Argento. But first our pop culture check-in. For new listeners, our pop culture check-in is a chance for you to get to know what we've been watching, reading, and consuming outside of our movie this week, as well as life updates. Life updates. Um, hmm. I don't know. I was actually waiting to maybe talk about this on the podcast, but fuck it, whatever. Um, so my wife left me. Oh, God. <laughs> um... And so there's a life update for you. So that's why last week I didn't have a lot to watch. And um, I actually did watch quite a bit this week. But I don't know. I feel like we've always been pretty transparent with our audience. So that's you might not hear me. I mean, you and I, you talk about Ben a lot. I've talked Uh about Ashley a lot. So um, I'm okay. I'm surrounded by people who love me. And it is not like a nasty, like ugly thing. It's it's amicable and, and, and as cordial as it can be. So... Uh, but yeah, there's a big life update for you. I was like, B's having a baby, so I got to do something big, right? Yeah. So, you know, divorce. Yeah. So <laughs> always got to one-up me. Yeah. I don't know if that's a one-up. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's my life update. Um, but the show is not going anywhere. Even a baby and a divorce can't keep us down. I know. So I was thinking about that. So last week we recorded... Not last week. Two weeks ago, we recorded pretty much right after it happened. Yeah, it was three days after. Yeah, and so we were kind of, like, in the thick of it. And I remember after we, like, wrapped the episode thinking, like, you know, if this podcast is anything, if nobody was listening to it, I think that would be okay to Ryan and I because Uh it's kind of like a therapy for us. It's cathartic. It It definitely is. is, And it's a way for us to connect in our busy lives Mm -hmm. and sort of force us to To, get together. Yes, 100%. Yeah. I'm very – I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, oh, B and I basically have to – we try to watch the movies together, especially recently. So, like, we basically have to at least spend two nights together every two weeks. Yeah, which it's like when you're an adult and you're going through crazy life shit, that's kind of hard to do sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, if anything, like, we can go back and be like, one, this was great for a friendship. And two, like, I mean, I found out I was pregnant and then recorded our Child's Play episode about two hours later. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So, and Ryan, I mean, didn't know. Yep. And I had just gotten, like, crazy, exciting news. My husband was, like, out there in the living room. And the whole episode, that's, like, I was, like, I can't believe it. Oh, my God, I'm pregnant. Oh, my God, I'm pregnant. And so, I mean, forever, I'm going to have that on, like, record and being, like, 
I'm going to always remember that. And so it's kind of crazy. So. Yeah, you can mark some big landmarks in your life. Um, it was funny. Yeah. I mean, people know, obviously. So some of my writers for Ghastly Grinning knew. And I asked them because I know they listen to the show. I was like, could you tell? And they're like, no, you did pretty good, man. And I was like, cool. I'm glad. <laughs> so there, there's that. Um, but this week I did watch stuff. So... Uh, I went and saw Captain Marvel, um, the new Marvel movie. I think, God, I think I read something that it's like the 21st one, which is fucking nuts. Uh, I mean, 10 years now they've been doing this. So it is a prequel to all of them except Captain America. It takes place mm-hmm. in 1995. Um, it's really good. It's not, I was, I was, we were, we had dinner earlier with some friends and I was telling them, um, it's not like a game changer like Black Panther where you like watch it and you can tell that like something in like I feel like it's a step in the right direction because it is very like female empowerment and like super like the future is female and it's awesome and like Carol's a really cool character and she does a lot of that and like they aren't ham-fisted with it um I think that the reason it doesn't quite hit as hard as Black Panther is because Ryan Coogler was able to really put so much like african-american heritage and like roots into black panther from like the soundtrack on and captain marvel is a hundred percent like a very feminist uh, movie and like there's a lot of like things that are in our culture or our, like social climate right now um that it addresses pretty directly and it does a great job at addressing them but it's still at the same time as that still trying to be like a, a movie that's like a 90s movie um and so i think that mixes with it a little but like don't get me wrong it's a fantastic movie i'm really excited that captain Mar- that brie larson and captain marvel is a character that girls everywhere girls and women and men can all look up to but it's just exciting i mean there's a picture floating around online of that little girl at the premiere and it's just cool you know with captain marvel and wonder woman it's just nice to see like these things finally happening because it's about damn time uh but it's it's a fun like it's a really fun movie um just super it does a little bit of that guardians vibe of like really bright you know like just that kind of bright upbeat kind of movie it's just not quite as flashy i don't think um but definitely worth checking out um i also watched treehouse which is the newest um blumhouse into the dark uh hulu movie um which is if you guys don't know about it i think we've talked about it a couple times on the show but it's really cool because they're doing one every month for a year it started in october and every one of them um is based on a holiday, like roughly a holiday in that month. So um, Treehouse is actually based on the Ides of March, which isn't really a holiday, but it's like it's a monthly. I've looked it up before. Um, and I know that's the name of a movie. Yeah. And like a painting. It's yeah. a day on the Roman calendar that corresponds to March 15th. It's a day of the assassination of Julius Caesar. Um, it's a day of settling debts. That's what it is. And so this that very much um, – this movie actually, re- weirdly enough, fits in with kind of Captain Marvel. It's a very like – it is a hardcore hashtag Me Too movie um, because it is straight up about a powerful male figure who uses his position for wrongful things and a coven of witches getting back at him. So um, – it's it was really good. Uh, it has a pretty solid twist at the end too. Uh, I was telling B, um, 
I particularly liked it because I'm a huge Psych fan, and James Roday, um, who is the main character on Psych, directed it, and so there's also a ton of characters from the show in it. Uh, so that was like a lot of fun to see too. But super good. Um, I haven't really been disappointed with any of those movies yet, and they seem to keep getting better, and this is just another one that was really spectacular. Uh, also watch Buffy, the Vampire Slayer, the movie, because R.I.P. Luke Perry. So yes. sad. Um, just tragic. 52 years old is so young. It's really young. And I kind of like, it's crazy because like you, it's weird that we connect in this culture to celebrities. Mm-hmm. And I saw a post online that was like really cool because someone tweeted and they were like, if anyone's trying to like tell you that you shouldn't feel these things because it's a celebrity you never met, like don't listen to that because like the thing is like, that you connect to those people for a reason and like whether it's what they did in a movie or what they did in real life like it's not a bad thing to associate memories right. to these people and what was cool it's the same thing when roger moore died like roger moore was my favorite james bond growing up so i was sad when he died and then all these stories come out and you're like wow like they were a really good person and luke perry was like a really good guy like mm-hmm. like just super like everyone was just like he was the nice like most genuinely like caring like and and friendly person Um, yeah if you get a chance uh colin hanks had a great story about him um and colin hanks is like i didn't know know him i had like a chance encounter with him in an airport and he just told that story and um, I mean, it's just really beautiful and just spoke to who Luke Perry was as a character. And I saw a Twitter thread today that I thought was really great. And it was uh, as somebody in the industry. It wasn't like a, a famous actor or anybody. But they're like, um, we, you know, in light of everything with Luke Perry, it's amazing to see all the beautiful, kind words come out about him. And for all of us to know, like, what a great person he was. Mm-hmm. He's like... But I like I'd like you to use this thread to share stories about um, people in the industry that you've had good experiences with, um, because we should be celebrating these people while they're still here yeah. instead of when they're gone realizing oh you weren't just an actor I liked but you know you really gave something and it was everything everybody from big name actors to people who were extras just telling stories about all these different people in the industry and about how they made them feel good and wanted and accepted and cared about and from the simplest things to the like most extravagant things i mean no like george clooney's name was on there a lot and um what's his face uh chris evans name got Mm -hmm. popped up a lot and then smaller actors um got you know brought up a bunch a few directors um so it was cool i read through the thread for like probably 25 minutes and it was just really nice to see even if i didn't necessarily know who the actors were um uh a vet Nicole Brown was brought oh, up mm-hmm. like numerous times from different people. Um, and then she commented on it was like, Oh, like, thank you. Like, it's like, this is just who I am. So yeah, I think that's really great. It's one of those, it's one of those times cause social media can be such a, a, a double edged sword, yeah. but um, it's just one of those times that like, it's nice to see it used in a way to really shine a light on not just Luke Perry, but like you said, on yeah. like to remind people, like, let's celebrate people while they're here. And I mean, I think B and I have been on that train for about a year now because of mm-hmm. all the loss we've had in the last year. So it's been it's a, a good lot thing of, to yeah keep yeah. in your daily life. Like I text Ryan the other day, <laughs> and I was like, she texts me in the morning. She's like, "Hey, love you," and I was and I was like. <laughs> 
what happened i was like did something happen because you're like the fifth person to text me that you love me today and like i mean obviously i went through a major life change but this is like two weeks after like i was well past the day like the the couple days of just like checking in on you buddy love you so i was like did like, i thought something like online happened and i like, didn't oh, know shit. about it yet like what, i was like oh what okay. news broke yeah exactly and i was like oh okay and but no um yeah b's right like it's yeah, it was we, just like, no. We definitely try to do that. Like, yeah. And I've been much more aware of trying to do that and, like, really make sure people know when they're appreciated, like, when I appreciate them and, like, and things like that. So, yeah, it's those, like, little things. Like, if you think it, you might as well say it. Yeah, because absolutely. Because that other person might not, might not know it. Or if they do know it, who cares? Like, yeah. And sometimes, you know, you just there. have the right moment and they just, like, sometimes they'll let you know, like, I really needed that. Mm-hmm. Um, but Buffy is an interesting movie. Uh, I, I know I've seen it before, but I did not remember it at all. And it's so ch- it's it, it literally is basically like clueless with a supernatural twist and not as good. Yeah. Um, but it's so like as but if without the wit. Valley Girl turns mm-hmm. into a vampire hunter. Yeah. Oh, it is. Yeah. Yeah. And like, but there's weird things, and I read up on it. So like Donald Sutherland's character in it is super off-putting the whole movie, and I actually read up like the director. Joss Whedon walked off the project because he hated Donald Sutherland in it. Um, Because Joss Whedon wrote the original Buffy. And he said, like, he just totally changed, like, what it was supposed to be. And, And then, I mean, also the director decided to make it more of a comedy, which Joss always wanted it to be funny but not a comedy yeah and it does it does have a weird like you can't it has serious tone issues it's been a it's been years since i've seen it um but even at that point like when i watched it and i was like god there's a reason why people talk about the show and not this movie or like Mm -hmm. they forget this movie exists because it does have some like serious tonal issues where it does kind of seem like it's supposed to be this like charming valley girl who kind of stuff and kind yeah. of like how buffy is in the show in right. the very beginning where and it's sometimes like, it does oh i'm does just this well. like popular hot girl and i've stumbled upon this situation but it doesn't succeed at that very well yeah it does every once in a while and you're like oh this could have been a really yeah. good movie um and also like i mean Pee Wee Herman plays one of the vampires, and also uh, Rucker Hauer is like the main vampire. So there's some weird casting stuff too. I actually think Christy Swanson did fine as Buffy, and like mm-hmm. Luke Perry is the shining star of that movie, yeah. by the way. Um, like, and that's I'm not him and David Arquette, and uh, I'm not saying that just because he passed away. David like, that's Arquette very true. Um, and then today I watched a movie that I had never seen before. Somehow, What Lies Beneath, almost 20 years old at this point, which is a giant bummer. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. Um, so I always remember, I mean, it's been, like, homaged or referenced a lot because it has that one scene where, like, Michelle Pfeiffer and Harrison Ford are, like, hooking up. And she's, or, like, no, some girl's, like, with Harrison, no, yeah, it's Michelle Pfeiffer and Harrison Ford. It was, like, the famous scene in the trailer, and it's, like, I think she's going to find out. And he's, like, who? And she, like, moves, and the shadow changes her face, and she's, like, your wife. And, like, that's how I remember it as, like, oh, this is, like, that's the okay, scene. I always thought it was a horror movie. It is a younger. horror movie. So, oh, it, okay. it, so it is a horror movie. What's weird though is so uh, Robert Zemeckis. Why are either of those people on a horror movie? Well, Ro- Robert Zemeckis directed it, mm-hmm. and he has done num- numerous, fam- like very famous movies. He did, I mean, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure, um, yeah, he was involved with like Back to the Future, Death Becomes Her. He did Force Gump, which is one of the most famous movies like ever. Um, so it's like his venture into horror it is weird uh one super weird that when it came out it was the 10th highest grossing movie of the year which is very bizarre for a movie that was uh a hundred million dollar budget and it's two hours and ten minutes long and it's a 
supernatural thriller starring an aged Michelle Pfeiffer and Harrison Ford. Like, very bizarre. Like, everything that, like... Doesn't seem like that would make this movie successful. But I feel like, I mean, even that co- that cover is so iconic. And, like... Oh, yeah. I've And because of when it came out, I mean, yeah. I was very young when this movie originally came out. And I remember my mom watching it, but... I mean, I just feel like I was inundated with it always. Yeah, it was just... I, it was like this a movie pop was, culture. Yes, yeah. it 100% was. And uh, Harrison Ford and Michelle Pfeiffer are both great in it. And the direction and like the cinematography is beautiful. There are some scenes, there are some shots in it that are like really cool. That, Did not care for this movie That poster is fucking gorgeous. Oh, it's this poster? It's brilliant. Yeah. Um, um, it's and the like typography said, is excellent. The, the imagery is beautiful, um, and it yeah that that keeps you in. Yeah, it does, and like that sticks with and, you. Like, and that's usually like, like from a designer standpoint, um, your subject material really helps relay like what you can do with how you market it. And so, if you have um, a film with you know stunning cinematography or really. Um, great graphic imagery. It makes your job easier to then represent that on a poster. And I think that's what um, sometimes I try and remember when I talk about the posters that we cover. It's like you only have so much to work with and you're also trying to make it fit in a genre. Right. Um, you're trying to sell it on a shelf. Uh, but yeah. Um, and it, But yeah, the movie just did not work for me because it's very weird. Like starts off as like kind of this charming like this they're like kind of an older couple and their daughter has just moved away to college so they're in the house for the first time like for the in 20 years or whatever 18 years you know and then it turns into this almost rear window-esque like mystery where she's like spying on the neighbor because she thinks the neighbor has murdered his wife and then it just completely changes tones and becomes a ghost movie like and then it becomes kind of like a murder mystery with a ghost and then like <laughs> and then the whole time you're kind of like is there a ghost and then like at like whatever spoiler for a 20 year old movie like at the end and i won't say exactly what happens but at the end it hardcore is like yep there's a fucking ghost and you're like but it's so jarring i'm like what the fuck is happening um i don't know i don't know it was weird it was a weird movie uh did not like I said. Did not care for it. Uh, but I did think Harrison Ford and Michelle Pfeiffer were both. I great forget now. how much I like Michelle Pfeiffer every time I see her in something. She's so great. I love her in everything she's in. I know. I, and like there are movies I don't like that I think like Dark Shadows and Mother both don't care for either of those movies. Thought Michelle Pfeiffer was excellent in both of them. She's superb in the Murder on the Orient Express. Orient yeah. Express. And so and Batman good. Returns. Like her Catwoman yeah. is the best. Like it's insane how no, good she, she is in that movie. No, she keeps popping up things. Um, Stardust. Like, oh, yeah, I, yeah. that's one of my faves. Mm-hmm. I watch that movie, like, a couple times a year. And then I always get reminded when I watch that movie. I'm like, oh, fuck, Michelle Pfeiffer. I love her. She's so good. She has a very eclectic career. Because yeah. she'll kind of disappear for a while. Yeah. And then, like, and then research. Yeah. she starts doing yeah. stuff. Um, but she, and same thing in this. She's she's excellent. So, yeah. yep, that's what I watch. I mean, I watch more, but they're all, like, really not worth mentioning. Yeah. So, they were just netflix horror movies yeah. uh so that's what i watched uh and let uh, b continued her action movie uh, yeah so spree. i guess i discovered i mean it's kind of made me sad i can't watch horror movies right now i haven't really been able to my whole pregnancy um i just can't really take anything dark or emotional i've watched the couple things i have watched like watching a quiet place um i just realized that it's not 
worth it to me to watch it right now because I'm not getting the same level of enjoyment and it's actually causing me a lot of anxiety, um, which is very rare for me because horror is my comfort. (laughs) Um, I'm going to have a ton of catching up to do once this kid comes out. Um, but I've really just been watching, like, rewatching TV. Like, I watched the, I caught up on Younger on Hulu, which is, like, the Hilary Duff, um, TV show. Um, so I've been doing stuff like that, still, like, watching Buffy here and there and just throwing things on. Um, and then I've just been watching, continuing, taking this advantage to watch my action movies. Um, and so I'm continuing that, like, quest. And I'm loving it. Um, So who knew that getting pregnant would just make me fall in love with action movies, but it has. Um, So I started the Born series. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, the Born Identity series. So I watched the first one. I absolutely adored it. Um, I thought it was a less confusing Mission Impossible. And don't get me wrong, I love Mission Impossible. I love that series. But I was telling Ryan, I was like, could not tell you the plot of any of the Mission Impossible movies. Could not whatsoever. I have seen most of them multiple times. Mm-hmm. Could not tell you. I've seen all of them at least twice. Yeah. At least. Uh-huh. And, and I still am like, I don't know. Tom Cruise has to stop someone. Yeah. And like there's some people who don't trust him and they've got masks on and they take the masks off and Tom Cruise does some cool stunts. Yeah. Like really. I, Which I don't know if, I don't think it's a bad thing because I think those movies are spectacular and maybe it's just me. Sometimes with movies like that, I'm like, am I dumb? Am I, like, not smart enough to get this? But I just think I don't get too lost in the details. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, anywho, Born Identity was much easier to follow. I can tell you exactly what happened plot-wise with that film. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it actually kind of, like, gave me, like, a little... I, in general, like Matt Damon. Uh-huh. Um, and I've watched a few things with him like the last year that I had never seen like The Departed and um, stuff like that and I loved The Martian I thought that was spectacular Mm -hmm. and that's Mm -hmm. movie solely succeeds because of his performance I mean Um, basically has yeah yeah Um, if he wasn't strong enough to carry the film the film would not have been successful and I thought that movie was spectacular Um, so he's great and he's a great action star because Uh, And I like how they film the fighting. Um, That's a big part of action. Um, And so they kind of slow it down. You can see the moves a little bit more. It's very choreographed, which I enjoy. Um, Very kind of like how uh, like Jackie Chan films are, where it's really artfully done. Um, And that's how the Bourne series is so far. So we started the second one and I fell asleep. Um, (laughs) Probably chip away. It'll probably take me three or four nights to finish it. Um, But that's okay. Uh, so liking that, I've got five to watch, so that's probably what I'm going to be doing this week. Um, and then I watched Skyscraper, which is the Dwayne Johnson and it's The Rock. He'll never escape that name. As much as he wants to, it just won't happen. Like, he can't. I feel like when I talk about him in general, I'm like, oh, The Rock. But if I, like, credit him for a film, it seems, like, weird to call him The Rock. I'm like, oh, yeah, Dwayne Johnson's in it. I don't know. Oh, his show, his show, The Titan Games? They call him DJ. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, no, dude. no, but that's his name. Like, that's what he goes by. I, I believe it. But like, I'm like, nah, I just like, you can't have three names. Pick one. <laughs> Sorry. Also, the Titan Games is really good. Oh, I love that. Yeah, show. It's, yeah it's awesome. Fantastic. Yeah. It makes you just want to like go to the gym and get really buff. I really want to do the, t- the, like the Titan, whatever at the end. I want to try it. I think I do. Okay. Oh, like the, 
Like what you have to get to, the obstacle course? Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. I don't want to do any of the other stuff. Yeah. Except like maybe some of the climbing stuff. I like climbing, but no. Yeah, every time I watch it, it just gets me real pumped. I'm like, yeah, I got to go to the gym. I got to get strong. I got to be like these Mount people. Olympus, that's what it's called. I think I could do Mount Olympus. Like not great. I'm not setting records, but, but like. But you could finish it. Yes. I mean, yeah, I yeah. can finish it for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It'd just take me a while. Yeah. And not in my current state. Maybe. Yeah. Nah, I don't know. There's I don't think you should be doing something. I mean, I shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. But um, I watched Skyscraper, and Nev Campbell is in it. Our girl. Our girl. Um, and I just get excited to see her in something. Um, and, I mean, I liked it. I thought it was I thought it was good. I mean, there was nothing about it that made me mad. I was never bored. It's long. It was one of, it's one of those, like... But it's super, I like, I really enjoy single set films. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I like films that are isolated to one location, and this one is, Um and it's, be- I mean, what they created is beautiful. So, like, from a designer standpoint, I really enjoyed that. It's this, like, fictional skyscraper that's super modern with all this crazy tech in it. And so to see that, you know, executed even in a film style is really interesting. So I loved all the set pieces. Um, you know, and the bad guys were, like, okay. They were, like, a little, yeah. a little corny. But the story wasn't complicated to follow. You knew what was going on. Um, it had a great family-based storyline befo- behind it, which is which I really enjoyed. Um, you know, really was just about The Rock and his wife and their two kids and the links he was going to do to save them from this building that was being taken over by bad guys. And, I mean, it wasn't too complicated, but it was fun and it was visually great. Um, yeah, and it's part of, like, it feels, and I like movies like this, um, it feels like a kind of, like, 80s, 90s action movie. Mm-hmm. Like, um, yeah. I, like, The New Predator did, which I like. I like those movies. Mm-hmm. Especially, I like, I'm a big fan of absurd plots that are still technically reasonable, like a super modern skyscraper, or, like, mm-hmm. you know, like, that's why I love Chopping Mall, because it's like, oh, it's a mall with these updated security bots, mm-hmm. and it's like, I mean, it's goofy but it's believable. yeah but it's yeah. like slightly plausible yeah exactly no, i enjoy that as well yeah so because I, it's a I way like... to have like sort of like sci-fi and fantasy without being like this is so out far out of reach it'll never happen right where this has like, like a rampage of, yeah <laughs> and i like rampage too yeah I, it's I, different yeah it's, it's very it's, different yeah but like you know that movie is like oh this thing landed on earth and now these creatures are huge and yeah like this is like oh this could happen <laughs> yeah where this one it's like yeah some freaking What's his name? The Tesla guy. Oh, Elon Musk. Yeah. Will like create this. For real. Yeah, no, yeah. for real. Yeah. Would yeah. create something like this. Yeah. Um, and be like, whatever. So, I don't know. It was fun. Um, I just think The Rock is just never... And I know this one wasn't like... It was successful for sure, but it wasn't crazy no. successful like the other stuff. He's just charming. But yeah, he's just fun to watch. He I is. mean... He really is. He is the modern day Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Like that's 100% what he is. And that's fine because Arnold ruled the action movies for 20 years. Uh, yeah. I learned can, that I really like Arnold. Yeah. We can I have mean, a new one because yeah. that's great. Yeah. So, you know, props to The Rock for just being great. Oh, also just side note, I have to point out the Jonas Brothers came back while we were mm-hmm. gone and mm-hmm. it's really exciting for me. Um, there's few things I love more than bubblegum pop. Horror is one of them. <laughs> but Wow. 
very exciting, guys. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, I even love stuff. their new song, their appearance on James Corden. The, that yeah. beat made me watch was fantastic. Yeah. Um, and the video for their new song is ridiculous because them and all three of their wives are all ridiculously attractive. Yeah, it's just like, how did so much good genes get mm. all thrown together? I know. It's pretty insane. So, yeah, shout out to that. It's a good time for pop music right now. It's been, I know. Between that and the Marin Morris album. The like, new Marin Morris. Um, the new Ariana Grande yeah, is just for like real. the best thing it's, she's it's ever done. It's a pop year for sure. It's, it, yeah. Pop is coming back and it's warming my little 90s heart. Um, Joe Rose are going to absolutely just own this year though. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. They're like, oh, yeah. I mean, we've kept this secret for like a year. We have, uh, we have like 40 songs recorded. We're coming out with an Amazon um, documentary about our lives, which is what brought them back together. They made a documentary intending to stay in their separate worlds and like through like making the documentary with Amazon realized that what they had was so special and they missed it and they forced, they basically said, we just played a lot of drinking games that forced us to like own up to our shit and like made us basically go through therapy together because they've been fine as brothers but knew that like what caused them to break up like they had never really worked through um and they're like yeah we worked through it and like here we are and i'm like oh god that's awesome it's great it's good times um so this week we are covering our second giallo uh, and it is 1975's Deep Red by Dario Argento, who is probably the most famous uh, Giallo director, I would say. Well, besides Bava. Him and Bava are, like, uh, tied. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Argento is very... I'd say I think Ar- Argento's more famous in Argento's general. more famous because of Suspiria. Yeah. Um, which is often considered one of the best horror movies ever made, but it is not a Giallo movie. No. Um, but, but as far as Giallo go, like, yeah, Bava and Argento are definitely, mm-hmm. like, the top. Um... So yeah, Deep Red, it, uh, and we chose it on purpose because we our other one was Bay of Blood, um, mm-hmm. or Twitch of the Death Nerve, um, which yeah. was uh, Mario Bava. Yes. Um, this movie also has alternate titles because all giallos do. Uh, it seems like Pergondo Rosso. I'm t- That's the original Italian name. Yeah, and yeah. also I can't, you know... Speak Italian, so I butchered that. And In then, case you didn't know. Yeah, and then also the Hatchet Murders, which is an which interesting is name. stupid because, because there's no hatchet. Yeah. There's a meat cleaver. Should yeah. be the meat cleaver murders. Cleaver murders. What is that movie with um Bradley Cooper? Oh, the Midnight Meat, meat Train. Train. Yeah. yeah, Midnight Meat Train. With Vinnie Jones and Bradley Cooper. Based on a Clyde Barker story. I like that movie. Yeah, it's a good movie. I like Bradley Cooper. Bad cover. Bad poster for that movie. Bad name. Bad name. Midnight Meat Train. It's gross. Yeah. It sounds like a torture porn. It yes, it does. It, and it it's sounds like it should not. be like a like a human centipede movie. Yeah. Almost. And it's not at all. Um, but that's not what we watched. Yeah, we watched Deep Red. (laughs) Um, a jazz pianist and a wisecracking journalist are pulled into a complex web of mystery after the former witnesses the brutal murder of a psychic. I love that. Just, like, peace out all jazz pianist, wisecracking journalist, murder of a psychic. Yeah. It's great. It really tells you exactly what this movie is. Yeah. Uh, released March 7th, 1975. Look at us. Today is March something march 10th oh march wow 10th yeah we just missed the anniversary Happy we were talking we were talking about this yeah like what is this 20 30 40 fucking i don't know how I don't long, 44 years or something i don't know a long time um there is no budget 
uh, on record at least. Um, 44, 44 years. years. Okay. No budget on record, but the box office was in pounds. Um, 3,700. What is this? What is- yeah, 3,709 billion pounds, according to Wikipedia. I don't know what that means. Uh, apparently, that means $700,000 in the U.S. Sure. Um, sure. Uh, so, this I don't know, movie, probably successful. Yeah, this movie is adored. Like, absolutely regarded as one of Argento's best, as, uh, especially when comparing to his other giallos, mm-hmm. um, acting-wise, um, storyline-wise, it's really, and this is my first Argento experience, Um, And so I don't have much to compare it to, but at least from everything I was reading, um, it's beloved and seen as like he really got this right. Um, 95% of Rotten Tomatoes, the consensus reads, which seems to be what most critics say in general, is the kinetic camera work and brutal over-the-top gore that made Dario Argento famous is on full display. But the addition of a compelling, complex story makes Deep Red a masterpiece. And it... It really is a well thought out and complex murder mystery for sure. Like it 100% succeeds at that. Um, I mean, it definitely, it's hard when viewing it in this context and like with this lens of like trying to compare it to other slashers. Mm -hmm. I kept realizing that like when I was looking back on my experience watching it, I'm like, yeah, but it doesn't do blah 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 like all these things right i'm like well shit okay that's because i'm comparing it to slashers which right and it's a proto it's a proto slasher yeah um so it's hard to display that but i mean it's a in general ignoring the slasher lens a very well done film and it's yeah um it's my third argento i still haven't seen suspiria but i've seen Tenen- tenenbrae and um opera opera and I, I actually really like both both of those movies um so um, yeah, I mean, I kind of, I'm sure once, I'm sure I'll love Suspiria. Um, just witches fuck me up, so I have to, like, really brace We're myself for that. We're waiting for it. Yeah. Um, plus I want to get my hands on one of those, like, new 4K when, scans. Yeah. When you listen to Shockwaves and all they fucking talked about for, like, a year of episodes was about that Suspiria that they were working on and the colors. Oh, and yeah. You they, have oh, to my watch God. It. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, I guess I have to wait for this to come out. Yeah. Because I'm like, to. I'm not going to not watch that version. Yeah. yeah. Because literally, like, every single episode. Yeah. So it, it is out now. I just need to get it. Yeah. Um, and wait till B's not pregnant. We'll watch yeah. it together. Uh, this movie has three posters, and one is great. Um, <laughs> At least to me. I don't know how you feel as a designer. One's great to me. I'm very against two of them. Yeah. So I think the original. One is, which we'll, we'll post it, is um, with Profondo Rosso as the title, Dario Gento Big. It is 100% a Vertigo knockoff, and I hate it so much. Um, Vertigo came out. Hitchcock's Vertigo. Um, <laughs> for somebody who does, doesn't know, uh, 1958, in the 50s. So predates this easily. Um, designed by Saul Bass, who is one of the most famous graphic designers and visual artists ever. Um, 58, good job. Thanks. Yeah. I know my Hitchcock. Yeah. Um. Oh, it's 100% a knockoff. It's, it's just such a blatant ripoff. It just infuriates me so much. And it's, 
I mean, that's all I can say about it is like, yeah, it looks nice because Saul Bass did it first. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he was um, a genuine master of the art. Uh, so there's that. Um, then there is what we, what I have always seen this movie associated with. And I think Deep Red has been streaming on Amazon since I've had Amazon Prime. So at least for a couple years. And it is like the worst poster uh, Dude, so it's it looks got like, like a doll uh, hanging with a noose with like little rosy cheeks and then um, like a, a mummified looking carcass in the back and then all of this shitty like, when was the last time you were really scared? Psycho? The Exorcist. Jaws. Now there's Deep Red, a Dario Gento film. You will never forget it. And then there's like the meat cleaver. I hate the meat cleaver in the font. Like, and like it's, it's like stabbing into the font and the font, and font is, is like dripping blood and all of the type on the top is like Psycho and the Exorcist and Jaws are all in different fonts. Knockoff fonts of the fonts used to, or the logo types to, yeah, to advertise those films. It's just what is happening. This looks like a like five dollar budget eighties slasher. This looks like one it of does those... not sell this movie in any way. I don't even know how, what, how. It looks I'm so worse angry. than like a red box horror movie. It ever. does. It's horrible. It it hurts me, you guys. It hurts me. I don't know. I don't know. I can't. I don't have the words. And then there's the poster that I think is good. And I'm assuming it's the poster that was used for like the Italian physical releases. Yeah. Um, but they just use images from the film. Um, the first kill. Um well, kind of the first kill is like the big shot. And then Profondo Rosso is in the middle with like a, a blood splatter in black. And the type out in a couple more stills. Um, it looks Italian. It look, I like it because it looks like a, um, a horror, like a paperback horror novel cover yes. from like the 60s. Which is what Giallo got its name from. Yeah. Was like cheap paperbacks. Yes. Um, so I like this one the best. I think it represents the film in the best way. Um, I actually think aesthetically and stylistically the way it's laid out with the images and the type is really successful. Um, it's all, it's very reminiscent of either, yeah, like a novelization mm-hmm. or even like a theater, like a, a theater. Oh yeah, a theater bill. Yeah, a theater it does bill. Look, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Especially because it has like a, a very like Broadway-esque um, typeface they're using for the title. Um, but I also think that's kind of fitting for Argento's style. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the stills and the way he shoots feels kind of like theater. Oh yeah. Um, time. and so I think this is fitting. Um, and I just yeah. thought of that, like mm-hmm. you saying that, yeah. but like totally like the way the background characters yeah. work and stuff is super like stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, no sequels. I don't know if any Giallos have sequels. I'd have to well, actually look that up. Fun fact. Here's some trivia about this movie. After the success of Suspiria, they retitled this as Suspiria 2 what and put it back out. fuck? That is weird. Which is hilarious and also aggravating because what a discredit to this film because people were going to go into it thinking it was related to Suspiria and it obviously has no connection. And that's robbing... Like, people of being able to experience this movie for what it is. Um, that's wild, though. Isn't that crazy? That's, but, that's so weird yeah. how that happens a lot, though. Mm-hmm. Like, how 
I mean, it's very infamous now, but Troll 2 has nothing to do with Troll 1, but, like, they thought it would draw more people in. And then there's also, like, movies in Japan that are, like, Evil Dead movies. Like, they're titled Evil Dead 3 because, like, they're similar enough in tone to Evil Dead that they thought that would draw people in. Yeah, or my favorite movie title ever, A Haunting in Connecticut. Oh, yeah, Um, The Ghost of Georgia. The Ghost of Georgia. Yes, that's the best one. That is the best one. Um, Goblin did the score for this. Uh, was this their first one? They did it for, is. So this is, they became very famous for scoring a lot of Argento movies after this, and now they're incredibly, like, fucking huge in the horror world for doing these movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it was originally composed by Giorgio Gaslini, um, who was a jazz pianist, and you can still, f- there's a couple tracks in it that are still done by him, um, but... I guess Argento was unhappy, and so he contacted Pink Floyd. And, I mean, I don't know how funny that is. I don't know. I think that's really funny. I don't know what Argento's, like, star power was back then um, or how big Pink Floyd was in 1975. That's, like, primo Pink Floyd era. Yeah, I know the 70s 70s, for sure. Um, And I definitely don't think, like, they probably were, like, who the fuck fuck are you? Yeah. Um, And uh, they turned him down and then he just went to italy and found a local prog rock band and that's goblin and they composed two comps in one night and then it was sold and then they kind of became a working pair from then on um the score to this movie is fucking amazing it's beautiful it's fantastic yeah and it it really carries oh my um, god yeah all of the kill scenes it's then any suspense uh, that it has is because of this it's just like it's there first of all there's like so we watched this with our friend um lauren who is b's business partner that she went to school with and she's i actually really enjoy watching movies with lauren because she thinks a lot like us of Mm -hmm. like not just the movie but like kind of the craft behind things and that's at one point she was like i don't even know what instrument this is and i was like yeah like there are parts where i'm like i don't know what is being played right now but it sounds awesome and like i don't know what it is but it's really cool and um it's weird too because there's no music. Mm-hmm. It's vi- which is seventies. Yeah, yeah. In general, there's like so, no score yeah. until something happens, and it's not even like necessarily like beats because there will be reveals. But if it's not like an action reveal, if it's just like, oh, I figured this part of the mystery out. There's still like when um, the guy's in the bathroom, uh-huh. uh, like nor- in a movie, like in a movie nowadays, there would definitely be like a beat to be like, you know, show you like, oh, I just had a revelation. Yeah. Not, not happening no. in this. It's, it's not silent. until something. Yeah. It's not until something like action happens and then it gets like really wild. Yeah. Um, and the score just goes and it's, yeah, it's, it's like that. And it's, there's no like background noise either Mm -mm. there's no like you don't hear any sounds yeah it's not like when you watch movies now you don't even realize it but like when you watch movies now like there's there's always like sound yeah that you always hear you hear animals in the background you hear cars you hear just different things radios going whatever people talking but like nothing in this it's like dude you can hear every footstep in this Uh movie you hear no and i don't think you noticed that i the when i first really noticed that is when i went back and watched carrie Mm-hmm. And that movie is silent until yeah. something happens. Yeah. And then the score is just loud and crazy. And it makes it more effective, though. Mm-hmm. Like, that makes the it's score a more effective. Style. And, um, yeah. It it's just, abrasive. 
It's super abrasive. Yeah. And props Because all of a sudden it's like, do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Yeah. Like, and this, it's so crazy because it's like, you can tell there's organ and there's yeah. definitely some sort of synth in there, but you also like, what's that fucking, what's that instrument they use for horror movies where it's a theremin? Sometimes I felt, I was like, are they using a theremin? Like, I don't know what they're yeah, using. Yeah, I don't know. And also I don't know. So I'm trying to convince one of our good friends, Ron, who's super into music and very knowledgeable. And I actually... Well, it's not how I met him, but um, I worked at a record store with him and he just, he knows this shit. Not only is he a music lover, but he plays music as well. Um, and like, as soon as I heard the soundtrack, I'm like, I want him, we listened to this podcast, had, well, I don't listen to it anymore, but I used to listen to this podcast called Buffering the Vampire Slayer and they... <laughs> It's kind of, it's not like super serious, but whenever they talk about fashion, they like bring on their friend Kate and oh, she yeah, does yeah. a whole breakdown because she's just super into it about the like crazy fashion and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And I was like, genuinely, I was like, Ron, it'd be really great if you were interested, if you wanted to like, when we talked about the comp and score, like if you had things to add, just because I know that he'd be able to tell us what those instruments were and, like, he'd be able to tell us about what was going on in prog rock in the 70s. Yep. Um, so hopefully we can get him on to talk about some of these scores. Yeah, that would be amazing. Um, and, he again, he just has such an insightful eye to music. And yeah. Like, I mean, he's also, like... <laughs> he was telling us about some fucking new genre called vaporwave, I guess. I don't fucking know. But, like, like yeah. he just knows all this stuff about music. And, like, he, it's not like he was like, oh, this is vaporwave. When I said, well, what is vaporwave? He was 100% able to be like, oh, it's this, this, and this, and it came from this, uh-huh. and there's a lot of this. And it's, like, it is, it's fun to hear about because yeah. it's like, oh, you're just, you know all this stuff. And it, it is interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, yeah I would be, be interested to know about, like, prog rock in general and, like, how... Argento was like, that's the type of, like, how do you go from a jazz pianist to being like, no, I'm going to contact this, like, local progressive rock band. Yeah. Um, because it worked really well, and I think that it's a style that's been used a lot. Oh, 100%. It's another yeah. thing when you go back, and I we've talked about this before, when you watch something, I think we were talking about this when we were talking about Tarantino, when you watch something that's been imitated oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. so many times and you go back and watch the original for the first time, mm-hmm. it's kind of hard because you feel like you've already seen it so many times and then you're like, but wait, this is the person who did it first. Right. And that's what I found myself a lot with like a lot of the way the shots were filmed in this. Mm-hmm. I'm like, God, I've seen this so many times in horror movies. And I'm like, this is this was where it came from. Yeah. That's insane. It's insane that I can go and be like, oh, like, I think, um, like, what, the funny games. Like, I kept mm. thinking, like, oh, yeah, I mean, you can see how this, that movie is, like, super inspired by, like, more of, like, Argento's style of, like, pans and close-ups and... Oh, my God, he loves close-ups yeah. so much. Holy shit. And he's super obsessed with eyes. Like, yeah. so obsessed with eyes. Um, so, yeah, Argento directed... It, it, insanely famous i mean if you're in the horror world like argento is just like he's mentioned with the names of you know carpenter and romero like Mm -hmm. just so oh that was another trivia i found was um george romero was actually approached to direct an american remake of this movie and it never it never happened but they did approach romero to do it um Mm -hmm. which would have been really weird to see because him and argento don't have similar styles at all um but yeah i mean he's so many famous movies he um yeah carpenter has said that you know part of his inspiration from the shape comes from argento's giallos yeah yeah and you can tell i mean carpenter's music has to be inspired Mm -hmm. by 
goblin at least a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, yeah, so Argento, I mean, he's done the bird with the crystal pl- uh, plumage, kind of nine tails, five days of main lawn, Suspiria, Inferno, Tenebrae, Phenomena. Those are all some of his most like famous. famous Suspiria ones. is definitely his most famous. Yeah. Um, and then you know like in- Inferno, Tenebrae, those are like really high up there too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was written by Argento, but yeah. also with uh, Bernardino Zapponi. Mm-hmm. Um, he was he was a, like a novelist and he did a lot of prose and he also worked with uh federico fellini a lot who isn't like fellini constantly like criticized for just knocking off argento i don't know i'd have oh to no that's at... fulci yes yeah yeah that's fulci Fel- no fellini's a very yeah. very famous filmmaker i've never actually seen any of his movies um su- but apparently he was very like avant-garde and like um very important to like a lot of modern day filmmakers i i've always meant to like go and watch his stuff but um i've just never got around to eight and a half i believe is his most famous movie um one of the like most famous ones he has um i mean lots of fame like or lots of people but like i these are all italian mostly italian actors from the 70s um the only one is gianna is played by um daria nicolotti which is um was argento's partner at the time and i believe asia's mother oh interesting okay like i'm pretty sure i'm gonna double check myself right now um and our main character david hemmings uh as marcus daly he was um british um yeah, he's he's one of the only ones in the movie that's not uh, like an Italian actor. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, she is Asia's mother. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's cool. Um, Macha Morel as Helga Olmin, uh, Clara Calame as Martha, um, Gabriel Lavia or yeah, Gabriel Lavia as Carlo. I mean, this we need just, to take an Italian lesson. Yeah, for real. No, Italian names are hard. Uh, there's a lot of Z's. And I just, I can't, I can't do it all the time. You can't do Z's? No, it's just weird. I don't know. I'm not used to it. I know I have a Z in my name now, and I do not know how to do a Z in cursive. Still. I should look it's it up, but. It's hard. It's weird It's looking. a weird letter. Yeah, and so I cursive. just don't. Yeah. I don't write, I don't write my new last name in cursive. My, my maiden name is Bass. Like, it really can't get much simpler than that. Yeah. And then I freaking get Mackenzie when I get married, which is a great last name, and I'm happy to be a Mackenzie. But the Z in there, and then I've got a little C and a yeah, big K. Yeah, you got a little C. Man, it's a lot more work. <laughs> um, Speaking it, of Zs. Yeah, it's a Giallo, obviously, and yes. a whodunit, which a lot of Giallos are whodunits as well. There's a, like... Um, uh, I mean, that's like a big part of it. Is it like... Mystery. The yeah. murder mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan and I both got this book called... The Teenage the Slasher teenage Book. Teenage Slasher Book. And when I was doing research for this film... Um, about giallos because we've talked about it but i mean i think until recently i didn't really know exactly what a giallo was Mm -hmm. um and so i was like no i want to get the definition so i could go over it in like for the podcast for some of our listeners like i mean we're not trying to play like experts like i said this is my first argento film bava was that's my first bava film Mm -hmm. that we've covered for this i'm no you know giallo expert i'm like just stumbling into them and i'm loving it but I also love to know as much as I can, and we don't expect all of our listeners to be like, I don't want to ever feel like we're like trying to come across that where you like know all this stuff oh, or yeah, expect no, 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 you no. as listeners yeah. to know everything. Um, 
But we got this book, and I realized that in the Wikipedia article I was reading, the book was cited. Oh, cool. And so I went to my coffee table, and I grabbed it, and then I, like, read the whole section. And they have an entire section about giallos and um, about Argento himself. It's a very great book. Um, definitely check it out. I, like, went through half of it today. Um, but in it has a slightly different definition in Italian than it does for us, like what a giallo means to the English-speaking countries here in America, but it's the blend of the murder mystery and, like, the atmosphere and suspense of thrillers with the violence of horror and what we have now know as slasher violence. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's murder mystery mixed with violence seen in slashers mixed with, like, eroticism, which this movie apparently had the, like, eroticism element and argento himself cut it out oh um it was always there's like 23 minutes cut from the film a couple of it is like some animal abuse stuff that actually got put back in um but um it was always suspected that argento didn't want it cut and he actually decided um when it got came to american audiences they did not dub it and that was argento's choice and that was some of the romance eroticism um The biggest, like some of the biggest tropes that you see in giallos that you can identify are a mysterious killer whose identity is not revealed till the end, black gloves, um, like a masked, not a masked face, but a face that's like obscured. obscured. Yeah. Lots of shadows. Lots of shadows. Mm -hmm. Um, Or like hats down low. Right. Um, They're often like troped with gloves black mm-hmm. leather gloves or brown gloves or what, yeah. whatever like leather gloves are a big trope and then usually um some sort of straight razor or straight blade mm-hmm. um has been like associated with jello a lot and then which you know we've come to know and we've talked about that they're considered to be the predecessor and a big influence on the american slasher mm-hmm. um so it is funny when you watch movies like night school which is an American film inspired by Giallos. Yeah, and that movie, um, the Owl Head. Aquarius. Yeah, stage right. Stage right. Stage right. Aquarius. Um, yeah. Apparently, it was made by like the I think the DP for Argento, and it's another one that's like Ameri- an American. It's like Giallo. an American. It's like. What was the description we saw? Yeah, it's it's like an like, American version of a giallo... In, imitating imitating a, slasher. a slasher. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is <laughs> wild. It doesn't sound yeah. like it should be a thing. Um, so the killer ends up being... Uh, Carlos's mother. Yeah, Martha. Carlos's mother, Martha. Um, which was one of her guesses. Uh-huh. Uh, we were guessing either Carlos, which is our fake reveal, or yeah. the mom, which is our real reveal. Yeah. Um, okay I'll, I'll just say this right now this i enjoy this movie a lot um could not a hundred percent keep up with the plot no. all the time it it goes in like this you know this uh description from rotten tomatoes of um the plot being what, what did they say exactly uh the complex story it's it is a compelling story like the mystery is i think the mystery is good and uh-huh. like i um i you know i like our female journalist more than our main character um because he's wildly sexist Mm -hmm. um but uh 
there were certain points where I'm like, oh yeah, like I understand what's going on, but sometimes, and I think a lot of this just gets lost in translation. I do too. Yeah, and I think that especially it's hard for us to keep up with names. I'm sure it happens with every country when you jump to a country with different names. It's always like kind of hard, like, oh wait, what? Like, who's that character? All their names sound like it's like Gianna and Giovanna. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So um, there were a couple times where they jumped to a point. I'm like, wait, who's this character? Like, why are they there? Yeah. Um, Why is he at their house? So like, I still don't really understand why she was killing people right so i i just read like a synopsis because i'm like well i just watched the movie and let's see if this will pen it out so we get a flashback at the very like during the reveal we get a flashback that um martha's husband has asked her yes to quit working and that he is going to commit her to a psychiatric hospital um and he like walks out of the kitchen and she takes a knife and he like goes up to his son Carlos that's like Christmas and she stabs him in the back. Yep. Um and kills that him. Remember, yeah. Um and Carlos sees it happen and like stands there and we we find out like this is like the mummified body that we see in their old house. Mm-hmm. She had like entombed him. Um so basically she's crazy why because her husband wanted her to stop working and obviously there was some mental issues because he talked about committing her and then she killed him so obviously she's fucking crazy but why she ends up killing and then i think so our psychic that we open up with a psychic predicting that somebody in the audience is going to um make these killings Mm -hmm. and so my biggest guess that i can make is that i mean martha was obviously in the audience and she was threatened that the psychic was going to reveal that she had killed her husband and so she had to kill her first um and then she did not intend for our final boy marcus to see um her die and get really involved and decide he was going to solve it um because he saw this mysterious painting that disappeared which piqued his interest which made him want to like solve the murder of his neighbor um his downstairs neighbor right yeah yeah, his downstairs neighbor and then i think she ends up killing the other people because they're on to her right yeah, it's um there's a lot of like characters that like aren't police officers that are involved. Like one of the heads of like the like cuz the psychic is like uh like kind of does it's really odd. Like the psychic it starts out in like kind of this auditorium and like yeah, and she's they're being, trying to prove she's yeah. trying to prove that she's clairvoyant. Yeah, and she's like being presented by like a head of par- of of psychology, a but professor, he, yeah, yeah, a professor. But he's also like really into parapsychology and like also like believes in like the occult and stuff. So he's like trying to help her get kind of accredited. So he becomes involved in the case too. So like almost no one's an actual like police. O- there is a police officer in the movie, but, but like then they'd leave. Yeah, the mystery is solved by pretty much this pianist and and a news reporter that happens upon the scene and they become involved with also aid from this like head of psychology so um it's it's all kind of like i said it 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 works it really does it does work because to me like it does feel a little bit like um 
almost like the ring where it's like this person kind of gets drawn into this mystery and then becomes like obsessed with it and so like i can understand i mean she's a reporter in that but like it gets much deeper but i can understand and i appreciate a plot line like that too because that's how human nature is as you become obsessive that's why we're have we have a podcast about slasher movies yeah. um so like i totally get that too so it does work it's just some of the jumps that it makes can be a little like confusing yeah i feel like pretty much anytime the set changes and they're in a new place i'm like but wait why are they here that's really the only times i would get confused yeah and there's, be like what is this house why f- are they at the house of the screaming children what does that mean well and a lot so uh, um and we did read up on that a lot of that was cut from yeah. the movie so that explains a little bit why it's confusing and then also sometimes like they'll do something and then the characters will talk and they'll explain after it's happened like why they were there like um, I know that happened, there was one scene in particular I'm thinking of where, like, he's telling the news reporter, like, oh, I went here, and it's like, oh, okay, like, now you're explaining why you right. happened to go to this place. And, yeah, it's kind of like a backwards way of storytelling that, you know, might just be an Italian thing, where, yeah, he goes somewhere, and then we're like, why the fuck is he here? And then he's like, oh, I was here because, and we're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so... It is one of those, like, the it's created by happenstance because, like we were saying, he happens to see the psychic get murdered. She's, um, I mean, she's, like, kind of thrown out of a window. She's not thrown out of a window, but she's, like, smashed through a window. Um, and how is she ultimately killed? It's, um, yeah, a butcher knife to the shoulder and back and then through the window. Um, and that's Helga. That's our first death in the movie. Um, and that's, you know, like we said, she, that's his downstairs neighbor. He becomes involved in the case. And as he's trying to figure the case out, um we're introduced like carlo um carlos who's um his his he's described as constantly inebriated friend yeah and he um he's He's just drunk in the street yeah and he's a queer character Uh which is cool to see in the 70s um it's interesting because this movie is progressive in one way in the sense that it has a queer character and they play it pretty straight like it's well the character like i mean he it's not like he's being shamed for it or anything like but also this movie is super misogynistic like so much of it is like yeah. talking down on women like he t- well and, a whole I think scene. That, and that was argento too like he's like historically known for uh which was like the negativity that the slasher genre starts and he started influencing that but he literally like is on record saying he likes the how women attractive young women look being killed yep. over male or yep. older characters yep um so but there's like scene i mean there's a scene where uh, the main character straight up says like well we all know women are weaker they're yeah. ge- they're gentler and then he loses in an arm wrestling match which was funny uh-huh. um it's, it's weird it's kind it of contradictory because yeah. it has all these things but like our news reporter is a strong character and yeah and not. she like challenges him on the like sexist comments that he makes yeah and then so. he literally throws a fit because she beats him in arm wrestling, and then they separate. Oh, what do they call it? Indian wrestling. Yeah. Also offensive. Holy I was like, I don't know what the fuck that means, but um, that's not what that is. That is arm wrestling. I don't know what Indian wrestling is, but okay. Um, another, like, weird thing that is used a little bit and kind of dropped is, like, this weird song. Well, it's not dropped. It's just the killer doesn't kill a lot of people. But for some reason, she plays this song, which, again, I think goes to some of what was cut. Because it's called a dog roll, which is poetry that is irregular in rhythm and in rhyme, and it's often deliberately used for burlesque or comic effect. Um, so basically, it means like weird children's music. Yeah. Um, and, and it is creepy. It's fucking weird and, and she creepy. She plays it like on a tape player yeah. as she's killing. It's like taunting the people she's going to kill. 
And I don't know why cover up the sound of them being murdered. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if like if I'm or for effect or like what. It's just it's it's very odd. Um, and it is creepy though. And I like you know you almost wish there was a little more killing because you'd be able to see like like hear it more because it has a very like um like sinister uh, effect on on things for sure. Um, like I said, it's just hard to follow the plot of this yeah. movie. So what I didn't know until like I read up on it. And so then, so the reporter and our pianist, um, they find like the source of this creepy, mu- this creepy music. Um, and tr- when Marcus is trying to find the source of the creepy music, he finds a novel that was written by this woman and called The House of the Screaming Child. And it's describing this murder, which we find out is the murder of um, Carlos's father, because um, it's be- because Carlos talks about it, um, and all that really gets revealed in the end, which is great. So it does build like good foundation, and at the very end, it does like, oh, okay, this all makes sense. But it's definitely like Ryan said, it's kind of hard to follow as it's happening. Yeah. Um. And so he goes to um her house. Um, the, the novelist house. the novelist house to ask her about this story um and the killer gets there first yep um, it, and it's cool too like what i do like and like b and i have talked about this before we both like horror like when it involves f- like folklore and it mm-hmm. like the house of the screaming child has become like a folktale in this town because yeah. of um because of this murder that has happened yeah. which i think is cool it's just i would be interested to just see like what well. stuff was cut because oh. it does get like kind of glossed up. like her actually her name's amanda rigetti she was the number one most confusing thing to me in the yes. movie of like why who is this lady is why, this, are why are they why are they at her house, house yeah. that's like out here in the boonies and nowhere like you couldn't really understand that yeah um and then once you like read the plot later you're like oh okay like i get how she's connected but you don't really understand that as you're watching it and we were I mean, pretty intently watching. We yeah. weren't really no, like... No, 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 no. We weren't like talking a whole bunch yeah, or like... Yeah, super distracted. Because yeah. um, it was interesting. I mean, it's definitely a movie that like you... It kept your interest. But her death... Um, so she is... There's this whole thing with birds and she like stabs a bird and like out of fear and the music starts playing and there's like a creepy doll and like all this like scary imagery that happens Mm -hmm. like very separate from the the murder itself which is kind of weird um you can see like the killer hiding in the closet and it's just like the eye is like all you can see which felt very like black christmas um and then she is like set like you know the meat cleaver comes down um and dragged into the bathroom and then held under like scalding hot water and like that her face is like boiled yeah she's basically boiled yeah which is gross it, yeah it's definitely gross yeah um, like big bloated lips and like her cheeks are all like fucking bubbled up and it's pretty, pretty yeah gross. part of the trivia that i read about this which is just screams slasher which is you know why i think we find slashers more interesting than other movies is that um Argento wanted the deaths to be um, like realistic, almost, realistic, right? yeah. like 
he just tried to think of painful injuries that you could relate to. Mm -hmm. So not everyone knows the pain of being shot, but everyone has had at some point accidentally struck furniture or been scalded by hot water. Mm -hmm. And so like, you know what it feels like to have like boiling water, like accidentally poured on your finger. Yeah. And so he wanted you to be able to feel like, like I know what it would feel like to get, my head put down in scalding hot water. Like, you know how much that would hurt because all of us have burned our finger from right. boiling water yeah. before. So I think that's so great. And I guess I've just never really thought about it that way, that a lot of kills and slashers are things that you have some relation to. Yeah. You well, could imagine it, which yeah. makes it grosser and scarier. And it makes it, yeah, it makes it scarier. That's like part of what, cause like, I mean, there is stuff that's like super outlandish too, but like, yeah. And we enjoy a lot of those kills, but there's also the stuff that you're like, oh yeah, I definitely know what that would feel like. Like I can, ex- like I've experienced that. I can't imagine like on a scale times a hundred. Um, Jordani, who was the head of psychology and um, like boyfriend, a friend, I don't know the exact relation to the psychic, um, decides to investigate the Rigetti murder scene after it's revealed and he actually discovers that she tried to like write who the killer was and he basically he sees it. Yeah, yeah he sees it he finds out by, by like steaming up the bathroom that she wrote on the wall so he finds out who the killer is um and while this is ha- while this is happening our main character Marcus is also discovering the house in which Carlos grew up in um and like comes across basically this like illustration that Carlos made on the wall of it's like crude stick figure drawings pretty much of like a boy and it's a giant like like kind of monstrous figure with a knife in its back um and then i mean it's revealed later but like he doesn't get all of the drawing revealed to him at once because like you find out there is another stick figure that stabbed the knife into the monstrous creature um but while marcus is discovering all this that's when we basically get our next kill who's jordani um and he is killed at home uh super weird there's like this robot butler doll that is in his house that like just charges through the door straight at him and it's very off-putting yeah and very creepy and very weird and he like hits it and like makes the head like fall apart or whatever yeah it's head like breaks into pieces um and then he but he is killed by he's his face and mouth, he's basically, if you know what a curb stomp is, he's basically oh, like, yeah. he's basically curb stomped on a desk because his mouth is, mantle. yeah, because his, the killer keeps putting like basically his top row of teeth on like a table and hitting <laughs> Corners. in the head. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's really brutal. Yeah. Um, like it's very like visceral damage. Um, and then he gets a knife in the back of the neck. It's interesting. Like the knife is like definitely used but it doesn't seem to be like it's not the focus like the kills aren't all the kills use the butcher knife well this is actually like a sword it's actually not the meat cleaver right the other kills all use the meat cleaver first and then it's finished out so the first one's finished out with the window so it's like the meat cleaver and she goes out the window yeah which apparently is in almost all argento's film he uses like a window kill interesting um and then the second kill we have it's like the meat cleavers are used and then the boiling boiling. yeah and so it's like that's what they use to like get them down and then they like spice it up and i think part of that is because argento was also very famous for his blood scenes Mm -hmm. um so i think he uses the blade so he can still have that very like um 
it's visual yeah blood that visual because his blood is what how did you describe it it's bright red acrylic paint yeah so it's very like um it's very famous for mm-hmm. like how, how much it stands out i mean i would be like amazed if somebody told me that it was not acrylic paint <laughs> like i wouldn't uh, we, believe that yeah we'll have to we should actually look into that at some point um, so yeah, that is our next death. At this point, pretty much Marcus and Gianna um, have figured out the mystery and um, they are, well, Gianna's almost killed by Carlos mm-hmm. because he's basically trying to save his mother. Yeah. Um, he knows like it's his mom that is doing these killings. We don't know that yet, but no. so we, it's kind of like a red herring and uh, like we actually thought it was him too. We're like, Oh, it's him? Like, that kind of... It seemed, like, too obvious of a choice, but we were like, I'm okay, yeah, I mean, it makes sense, except for, which, you know, we realized, like, as we were thinking about it, and our character realized that, that he was with um, Marcus, Marcus when the, Helga was killed, Yeah, the when the is killed. And so we're like, well, it must... And that's when I'm like, well, then it's also his mom. Yeah, so we thought it maybe double mom. killers. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, it's not. Carlos literally only tries to kill Gianna because he's trying to save his mother. Um, so he does stab Gianna, but she lives. Mm-hmm. And then Carlos... <laughs> fucking, oh my God. The way it's Carlos the dies... It's slapstick. It's ridiculous. Yeah. He's like backing into the street, like kind of running away. And he gets the... Uh, there's a dump a dump truck driving by, and I think, well, I couldn't tell if There's it was like a rebar or something. or something on the side, or I think I could have swore dump trucks actually used to have hooks on the side so they drive by and pick up the trash, but I'm not sure. I couldn't exactly tell. Basically, there's like a hook on the side of this dump truck, and it gets hooked on it, and the dump truck people don't notice. So, and it's really, like you said, it's very slapstick goofy because, like, it keeps flashing to the front of the truck where these, like, two dump truck drivers are, like, laughing and, like, having a very animated conversation, while behind them, Carlos is, like, literally skidding along the street, and, like, he's, like, hitting the curb, and he's, like, hitting things, and and he's, like, um, I, you know, like, at one point, he actually, like, slant, like, truly slams into the curb which kind of like you know a little bit of blood kind of knocks him unconscious then he gets literally ran over um which is brutal like it's a very brutal shot because the dump truck stops right in the middle of the street and carlos is incapacitated and this car is coming by and the i mean the tire runs over his head and it's it's a well done shot it's pretty gross um and what's nice, too, is, like, it doesn't look like super fake. Because sometimes when you have those shots, you're like, well, that's mannequin head. Yeah. So Carlos dies. And then after checking on Gianna in the hospital, that's when our, our main boy, Marcus, realizes, wait a minute, it can't be Carlos because he was with me. He makes, like, a legit, like, Velma out loud, like, oh, no, it can't be him. Because yeah. he was with me. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. I you, love You the, put those little that scene was like together. Just, that, it, that scene was kind of, like interesting like the uh-huh. like revelation how it was happening i, I enjoyed i really I enjoyed his revelation when he gets in the house too yeah it was really good so he's this whole time and i kept making jokes he kept bringing up the fucking missing painting mm-hmm. he was like obsessed so with this painting this is what inspired him to like solve the mystery is that when he went upstairs to like try and save her i mean he saw her get killed but he like goes upstairs when he's walking down the hallway she has like hella creepy fucking paintings Mm -hmm. in her house of like demons and spirits and i don't know if that's because she paints them or something we never get those details but hella fucking creepy paintings of literal like spirit ghosty ghouls yeah and he's like there was a painting i saw when i walked by and it's gone like it's missing now 
And he brings it up, I swear to fucking God, like every 10 minutes. Like, but the painting's gone. And what, Where did what, that painting go? What, the painting disappeared. And he walks down the hall. He makes the realization that it wasn't a painting. It was a mirror. And so that's why it disappeared. And if you, I went back um, this morning and if you, it's there when he walks in. Oh, I really? mean, you can see her clear as day. That's cool. Um, it's very cool. And so when he has the flashback to it, you get to see it. And it's fucking Martha just standing very still because she's hiding from him. And it does look like a painting because there's a painting behind her. And so, like, the mirror makes it look like she's in the middle of it. And a lot of, like, creepy imagery. But yeah, he likes that realization. It was really cool, like, the way it was filmed and sort of his, like, external monologue as he's, like, working through mm-hmm. the puzzle pieces. Yeah, yeah. They did a good job of, like, working visually working us through it with him um so martha confronts him in the um apartment chases after him with a meat cleaver um and she does get like she stabs him or cleaves him once before um her hella long necklace gets caught in the elevator bars um of this elevator shaft and he hits the up button and it ends up decapitating her like it snags her around the neck and decapitates her um which is a cool shot uh and like really really brutal and then this is definitely like where argento's the like bright red blood totally plays in because the movie literally ends with like this bright red blood um and then you know what what did it say it's like this has been dorico Argento's deep mm-hmm. red or something like that very interestingly like filmed how, how they do that uh b pulled up the the mirror scene right now so i just wanted to see so it this is the I very beginning oh yeah that's creepy yeah yeah that's super creepy and weird um, but cool that he included that. Yeah, because if you, it's literally a split second. But if you know what to look for, you obviously see it's Martha. She's right there. Yeah, but her face does match all those creepy yeah. ass like things though, because she does have like a very kind of ghoulish face. Oh, too. also, I don't know what it is about this, but he's obsessed with the the um, the cadavers uh, salivating. Oh, yeah. People spit a lot. There's, like, so much saliva. He's super into eyeballs and spit. Yeah, like, every single, like, body, there's just, like, fucking spit coming out of their mouth. Like, constantly. Like Especially constantly. Um, Amanda Rigetti. Yeah. She, like, drools everywhere. Like, everywhere. And I wonder, yeah. like, I thought that was weird. I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen this before. Like, why are they all, like, like have this excess amount of saliva just pouring out of their mouths? Yeah, I didn't. I forgot about that, but we definitely talked about it. Yeah, it was weird. Um, what's your favorite kill? Um, I think my favorite kill is, uh, hmm, hmm. I I don't like Carlos's. It's way too slapsticky. I think the him getting hit like run over is like done well. Yes, but um. I, I mean, I think the Helga's, I mean, I'll just go with my def- my usual default of being drawn to the first kill that starts mm. it all. Um, but, I mean, they do a really good job with, like, the glass, like, in the neck, and it's, like, really gross. Yeah. And it's visually, like, the way it's set up is really great because he's, like, looking down from the street, and he looks up, and she's, like, perfectly centered and, like, goes right down into the window. And then when he pulls her off... That's even, like, worse than the first kill because, like, all the glass shards are, like, stuck in our neck folds. Yeah. And, 
I do like that when he pulls her off too. Like yeah. it's it's not like her whole neck is slit. It's like po- it's like literally like pokes. pieces yeah. of glass. Yeah. No, I appreciate that too. Um, and I agree with you. Like I I like the head smash part of Carlos's death, but it's not. It's it's really goofy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think mine is Giordani. Uh, just yeah. like the weird doll thing leading up to it, but also like the kind of the brutality of like the the death stomp of uh with his like uh upper jaw there yeah with his mouth yeah, yeah it's a very like and then you know him laying over the desk with like the cleaver it's mm-hmm. like it's like uh, like you said it's one of those things you have to go like oh that's been done so many times so it's like oh no this is one of the first times yeah, it was but ever this done is, yeah. so i like to look at you have that to appreciate that yeah um it's like we said it's a proto slasher so inf- influential to the genre it's it's very well regarded um it's definitely not going to be a typical like if you are just getting into slashers it's not going to be brought up Mm-mm. um because even argento i think like a lot of his other movies will be brought up before deep red um i feel like i hear tenenbrae or um opera mentioned a lot more i mean you'll hear suspiria the most but like as far as his like giallos go um i feel like those are like really big um but mentioned before kind of deep red but this was one of his earlier efforts i picked this um because we were just looking out of curiosity like what are people calling like the best slashers of all time um and so complex had a list that i mean halloween is one black christmas is two nightmare on elm street is three which i think we can agree are that's a very serviceable top three i think yes i mean i don't think we really have any arguments with that um and then like as the list goes down they most of the ones like right after that are like so it's alice sweet alice peeping tom torso and then it's deep red and then twitch of the death nerve and i i mean i see the slasher inspiration and twitch of the death nerve a hundred times more than I do see it here in Deep Red. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But Deep Red is a far superior film. Um, it's like beautifully written and acted and, and put score, together, and the score. And so I think Deep Red as a movie itself is like quite great. Um, I think Twitch of the Death Nerve or um, Bay of Blood, as we call it, um, is a better proto slasher. So this is our 34th movie. Wow. 34th movie. Um, and as we do at the end of our episode, if you go to keepscreaming.com slash the dash list, you can find our full list of the movies. We rank them at the end of every episode. Number one, Still My Bloody Valentine from 1981 and April Fool's Day from 86. Um, brings up the bottom of the list at number 33. Um, man, I agree with you. Bay of Blood is a better... So and if you're not familiar too, we don't this isn't favorites this isn't like best movie because there are movies that we really love that are near the bottom i mean happy death day to you is near the bottom of the list and we both adore that movie um but, but it's a bad we, slasher. yeah we look at movies as slashers yeah. it's not just about like how good the movie is it's yeah. and you know it was like luckily we've done bay of blood which kind of helped us understand approaching things from like tr- trying to put proto slashers in with slashers um so I think that this is I still think it's an effective slasher. I it's definitely more of it's way more of a mystery movie. Uh-huh. It's way more of a murder mystery. It's uh, more of a who done it. Yeah. Um I mean there's only really 3 kills, which even low kill counts don't really matter very much, but it's still just like so much of this movie is about the mystery. Yeah. And the kills are secondary. The kills are consequences of the mystery being solved. Mhm. 
Um, so with that being said, I'm looking around like, I don't know. I'm thinking like kind of child's play area around 20 oh. or are you thinking lower? I'm thinking lower. Really? Yeah. Um, I'm thinking lower because of what I just said about its its influence. So if we're looking at it as a proto slasher, knowing it's not going to fit all of the right. you know bells and whistles that it needs to, but can we look at it and go like, what did the slasher genre take from this? What inspiration did it take? Because that's really like the credit it will get on this list. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I don't see a ton of elements that would have specifically come from this film like I did with Bay of Bay Blood. Bay of Blood, yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, yeah, it's just hard because it's hard to... It's Yeah, it's, it's hard. It's difficult to look... Yeah. Like, it's just hard to look at a movie that you go, wow, like, I really like this about this and this and this and this and then it's like, and now I have to rank it way down here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're right. I mean, we that that is how we need to look at it. And yeah, it's like, what did this give to the slasher genre? And I think... We could definitely credit, like, the use of score. Um, I think we can take... um, I think a lot of the plot, even though in this is done for mystery purposes, we see a lot in slashers of, like, this family trauma. Yes. So the family element, for sure. Yeah. Um, That is, I mean... That's a like honestly huge the plot reminds me a lot of Black Christmas or Black Xmas rather but like yeah um, yeah it does like have kind of, like Black Xmas vibes yeah hundred percent of like this thing that happened as uh, when or even um Silent Night Deadly Night a mm-hmm. little bit too like this thing that happened as a child obviously impacts yeah um, and then you know he does a good red herring and switches mm-hmm. it so yeah that and then the score I don't know where are you where are you looking at so I was thinking more in like the. 24 25 range. yeah okay like more in the, the terror train curtains kind of world god can we say that curtains is a better slasher movie than this i don't think i can I, yeah i don't think so so after blood rage yeah i think blood rage is a better slasher but yeah. i think i think this is a better slasher than curtains okay yeah i'm cool with that okay. I'm, I'm very cool with that so that puts this at, as our new number 24 um, so right under Blood Rage at 23 and right above Curtains at 25. Um, yeah, that's good. That's fun. So yeah, that's Deep Red for you. And I think we do... So B and I are going to um, probably record some of those bonus episodes we've talked about on a couple of the episodes um, since she is going to be having her baby in about a month, mm-hmm. about a month's time. Um, so we want to get that action bonus episode in there and then just a couple of like backlogged. Um, I think we had something picked right for after this. We did. What was it? I don't remember now. I don't remember either. And oh, was it, um, we knew we wanted to do a Giallo this yeah. week. God. And I'm trying to look at the date. It's not like, why aren't there any, uh, St. Patrick's Day slashers? I don't know. I mean, there's Leprechaun, but that's not a slasher. That's not a slasher. Yeah. Um, What's Red Clover? I've I've heard of that movie, um, but I don't know if it's a slasher movie. Oh my god, it's almost April Fool's Day, guys. Yeah. That's crazy. Red Clover. Um, I mean, we already did our April Fool's Day episode. We did two unintentionally. We didn't know Slaughter High was one, and it ended up being one. No, this we is do have the April Fool's Day remake. Didn't oh. we figure out that wasn't a slasher, though? 
Well, the original is not a slasher either. This, I mean, I looked up Red Clover to see. We're if not it's a watching that. It's not, <laughs> but it's. Uh, it's, it's <laughs> I'm also not watching. Yeah, it's that. real goofy. I'll tell looking. you that right now. I don't know. We'll figure. I I know we talked about doing. I mean, we want to do Hellfest sooner or later, and then uh-huh. also, um, what's that Paul Wesley one? I keep forgetting the name. Oh, of. Killer movie. Yeah, so those are on the, uh, the list somewhere. I don't know. We'll figure something out. We yeah. have that. If we committed to something, and um, I'll bring pregnancy brain. Ryan can blame divorce. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah, we might have committed to so, something. So we'll figure it out. If we said we were going to do something, holler at us. If not, we'll push pick something else. Yeah, um, but we'll have a couple backlogged, and then if we need more time, we have like you know um, people are willing to come on and fill in as co-hosts, guest co-hosts if they need to. But I have a I have a deep feeling that my uh, maternity leave will be filled with all of the horror I've missed out on. Yay! So. Yeah, that's gonna be awesome. Um, so we'll show have lots of pop culture check-in news. Um, yeah. So until then, we will be back in two weeks and keep screaming.